0: Friends, I am your host, the Reverend Mary Vano, and the rector of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock. And this is J O Y, a podcast in which our conversations about life and faith always include Jesus, others, and you. I'm very excited for today because Sophia Saeed and I have finally found an opportunity to sit down together and record a podcast that we've been waiting to do for quite some time. This episode is an interfaith conversation with my friend Sophia. Sophia Saeed is the outgoing executive director of the Interfaith Center, an organization here in Little Rock whose mission is to reduce the fear and hatred among world religions by providing education and enhancing public dialogue among different faith communities. Raised in Pakistan and a devout Muslim, I first met Sophia when we both worked together on the board of the Arkansas House of Prayer. I've had the privilege of working with her for our annual Love Thy Neighbor worship service as we built the Interfaith Center of Arkansas and started a friendship camp for children a graduate of the Clinton School for Public Service. Sophia is one of the most impactful leaders I know, but perhaps her accomplishment as an interfaith leader is especially exemplified by an award that she received just a few months ago when Second Baptist Church of Little Rock recognized her with the Brooks Hayes Christian Leadership Award, the first Muslim to receive this award for her interfaith work in our community. Sophia, welcome and thank you for being with us today.
1: Mary, thank you so much for having me for such a generous introduction. I'm happy to be here as a part of your JOY podcast.
0: Sophia, I know that you are a deeply faithful person. You've been inspiring to me. And I'd like our listeners to know more about your faith. Among American Christians, Islam is either misunderstood or sometimes just not understood at all. What about your faith would you like people to know?
1: That's true, Mary. It is a very misunderstood faith, like many other minority faiths. But what I would like people to know is that Islam is a beautiful spiritual tradition that is practiced by almost 2 billion people around the world. These 2 billion Muslims are not a monolithic group. They come from different cultures, backgrounds, customs, traditions, races, and ethnicities. We all look, dress, and sometimes even worship differently. That's an important thing to remember when we think about Muslims. But the other thing is that we Muslims believe that we worship the same God as Jews and Christians. And we believe in Moses and Jesus, peace be upon him, as divinely guided prophets and the scriptures that were sent to them by God. And in fact, the word that we use for God, Allah, is the word which is the most inclusive of the God's name in Arabic. And it is actually the same word in Hebrew that Jews use for God. And it is also the same word in Aramaic that Jesus Christ used for God. So for us, Allah is the same God that Jews and Christians worshipped. And speaking of misconceptions, of course, one of the biggest misconceptions that we hear about is that Muslims are violent, they're terrorists or extremists or we're called to jihad. No doubt it's resulting from the constant stereotyping and bashing that media gives to Islam. So I would like definitely your listeners to know that Islam is not a violent faith. And we are not told to kill any Jews or Christians and there are no more violent verses in Quran than Old Testament or New Testament. In fact, there are less actually and we are not trying to convert all the Christians and Jews to Islam. There is no secret effort by Muslims to take over this country. One thing which I would highlight, which I actually love about my faith and is also misunderstood, is place and status of women in Islam, the respect that my faith gives to me. Mostly people think that Islam oppresses women or Muslim women who are wearing veil are forced to stay home or forced to cover themselves or are forbidden to be independent. Or sometimes people say, in fact, I was asked this question in Morelton, Arkansas, that do you Muslims kill your daughters? So I really want people to know that one thing I love about my faith is how it uplifts me as a Muslim woman, the kind of respect and empowerment I feel being a Muslim woman. It's true that Islam gives different roles to men and women, but there is equity between these roles. Islam sees a woman as an independent spiritual being, which has all the rights to own her body, her name, who has rights to education, right to vote, right to marry, whoever she chooses to, right to work, right to own property, sell property, dispose of property, right to earn and work and make money and keep the money in her name, right to keep her own family name, even if she's married, she doesn't have to take her husband's name. So there are a lot of beautiful rights that Muslim women enjoy that people are not aware of. And I really think that's something important for me.
0: Thank you, especially for dispelling some of those misconceptions. Even though Christianity is still a majority religion in the United States, I am noticing more and more how Christianity is misunderstood. It's so easy, isn't it, for certain adherents to the faith or governments even can really twist out of shape what the religion is all about. It's easy for people to misunderstand. I hear a lot about Christianity being a religion of hate, which is so not the case. And some of that is also reflected in conversation about Muslims. And we share a religion of love.
1: Absolutely, I totally agree. I must reinforce that by saying that there are some Muslims who have fear of Christians. Mm -hmm. That's what underscores the importance of this interfaith work that we do. Dispel those misconceptions and do something about the barriers which keep on emerging. Mm
0: We do need to do something about these barriers, working to take them down, which I think is part of what our conversation today is about. So I'm glad that Mm -hmm. we're having this talk. I know that you are a very well-educated person. You know a lot about different faith traditions, a lot about Christianity, as well as other world religions. What are some of the things that we share across religions?
1: So I wouldn't speak for Christianity. Like, I don't even like to speak for Islam. I like to just speak for myself as a Muslim. That's such an important question, Mary, because there is a lot that we share. And most importantly, what I said earlier is that we share the same God. And of course, I speak from a Muslim perspective. I'm speaking from my own theology, but we share the same God. And nothing is more important than that, that we are worshipping the same divine entity. But if we go beyond, of course, there are so many other commonalities. Both Islam and Christianity were founded by charismatic male figures who originated in the Middle East and gave a new spiritual and social order to their followers. They both were holy men, Muhammad peace be upon him and Jesus Christ peace be upon him, whose teachings are sacred to us Muslims and we share them. We share the love and reverence for Jesus Christ. That's, I think, the most beautiful thing that I found in my faith, common with Christian faith. Both Muslims and Christians believe in the sanctity, in the holiness of Virgin Mary, and that Jesus was born miraculously out of a virgin birth. And I especially say that because Holy Mary has a very high and esteemed status in Islam. She's considered the holiest one, the most chaste woman, women, the woman who has the highest status in Islam, and all the women, Muslim women, are commanded by God to follow in her footsteps because she is the model Muslim woman. We share the reverence for Jesus Christ. We also share some of the theological facts that appear in our scriptures. Now, there are differences, let me say that. There are differences between Christianity and Islam. We don't think that Jesus Christ was the Son of God, but we do believe that Jesus Christ is a promised Messiah, and he did perform miracles, and Mm -hmm. he is called the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and he's called the Sign of God in our scripture, which I believe we share with Christians. We also think that there is an Antichrist who's going to appear before the end of the world, And then our promised Messiah, Jesus Christ, will come, return, and conquer him. And I believe it's common to both the theologies. And of course, the return of Jesus as Messiah is a big thing. And we share and revere many of the common prophets like Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, David, Solomon, Noah, Job, Jacob, and the list goes on. But most importantly, I would say these are all the theological commonalities which these two great faiths of the world share. But if we come to the everyday Muslims and how we live, everyday life, we are not reading scriptures or thinking about theologies all the time. But we have so many beautiful ethical values that we share on daily basis, like hospitality, generosity, charity, like loving thy neighbor, which is the golden rule and the commandment in both the religions as we love ourselves. Just so much to talk about there. But thank you for that wonderful and important question.
0: It is so important to recognize how much we share. We share a love of God, the same God. We share a lot of the same wisdom and revere so many of the same prophets and teachers. And maybe even most importantly, we share a way of approaching others that we're supposed to love our neighbors. I'm reminded, I keep thinking of this verse. It's been on my mind for a few weeks because I heard a sermon about it. First John chapter four, verse seven through eight says, beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. We're beloved children of love, all of us. And just a few verses later, the same letter says there is no fear in love because Perfect love casts out fear, and that seems to be what gets in our way sometimes. Fear of what we don't know, fear of what seems different, love can banish that fear. I'm wondering, Sophia, what inspired you to do interfaith work?
1: I would say one thing quickly before I talk about that. One of the names of God in Islam, and as Muslims, we recognize God by the 99 names of God and the qualities of God, is wudud. That means the most loving one or the one who bestows love on everyone. So I would say that's a wonderful, beautiful, common value that you highlighted. So coming to why I started doing interfaith work, to be honest, Mary, it was born out of necessity in the post-9-11 world. Many people know that September 11 changed the life of thousands of Muslims when a small group of terrorists hijacked my faith for their own purposes. I saw that, you know, people around me, my friends, my neighbors, my countrymen, they started questioning the faith that I found very, very beautiful. And then later on, I saw as my children were in their middle schools and high schools that they had to suffer the bigotry and prejudice that rose out of the fear that you just talked about. So I felt I just really had no choice but to work towards recreating the harmony that I saw in this country when I came here 28 years ago. And I thought it was totally And on September 11th, I just started working towards helping reduce some of the misunderstandings which were being created and the barriers which were separating us as human beings. And I had to start with first understanding my own faith before I even help others understand my faith. And one of the first things that I learned was that how Allah called us to create inclusive communities. And he commands us to work towards peaceful coexistence with each other. And in our holy book, in our scripture, and he's talking to our prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, and he says, Say, O Muhammad, O people, come to a common word, the word that we worship, our God, and that your God and our God is one. So, in Islam, we have a clear understanding that we call upon and worship the same God as Christians and as Jews, and it is required from us to be able to live in peaceful coexistence without harming the identity of any other culture or religion. So, finding common ground between Muslims and Christians is not just a theological or interdenominational dialogue, it's a need because Christianity and Islam are the two largest growing and fastest growing faiths in the world. If Muslims and Christians cannot live in peace together, then the world cannot be at peace. And my children will not be in peace. And I will not be in peace because my neighbors do not know enough about me and they don't know enough and they have misconceptions about me.
0: born of necessity and of a desire to create the world that we are called to be, to work with God and find our way forward in peace. I think that you and I first began to get to know one another around the 10th anniversary of September 11th. That first Love Thy Neighbor service that we did here at the Arkansas House of Prayer as a way of commemorating the tragedy of that day, but drawing our community together across our divisions Sophia, your work has inspired so much in our communities. That first service that had about 50 people, which was about 40 people more than we expected, I think. (laughs) But that's grown to hundreds of people who gather every year. And I have to hold on to that hopefulness because sometimes the world doesn't look very hopeful. But in September here in Little Rock every year. We're doing something that brings people together and creates the kinds of relationships that we need to move forward. What can we do to continue this struggle, to continue to reduce the fear and hatred among world religions? How can our listeners get involved
1: in this work? Generally speaking, so social sciences research has shown that if you have appreciative knowledge about a religion, not just information, appreciative knowledge means positive knowledge, something good about them, something positive about them, something that they celebrate or love about their own faith. So the research shows, and it comes from Robert Putnam, who's a Harvard sociologist and who wrote the famous book, American Grace*: How Religions Divide and Unite Us. He says that if you have appreciative knowledge about a religion and you form a positive relationship with at least one person who belongs to that faith, then it will change your attitude towards that whole faith group and the religion itself. It's incredible that just by having some positive knowledge and getting to know one person, your whole attitude will become more favorable towards that faith community. And if we are serious about our vision of America in which we want to reduce this prejudice and misconception, Then the first thing we need to do is learn something about other faiths and get to know someone from that faith group. And that is exactly what Interfaith Center does. We aim to change the attitudes and behavior of people who belong to different world traditions by providing them education and relationship building opportunities. Get education and find somebody to be friends with your neighbor, somebody in your community who does not belong to your faith. Now at Interfaith Center, you have a lot of opportunities because we offer summer camps. summer is coming, so we have two summer camps coming, one in Central Arkansas, one in Northwest Arkansas, where you can either send your elementary school children or get involved by volunteering. Or you can join our Wednesday classes. We offer interfaith classes every Wednesday. You can attend any one of our interfaith prayer services. And our largest one is in September that Mary talked about. And it's called Love Thy Neighbor. It's around the anniversary of September 11th. One of our most beautiful projects nowadays, which I cherish, and it is a very high impact project, is our Afghan resettlement project. It's an exquisite example of interfaith relationships at their best and most beautiful. And we are in need of volunteers, so I would say you can volunteer for that project. And all of these opportunities will give you not only more knowledge about people of other faiths, but also will allow you to build relationships with them. And that is how we will change our attitude towards that faith group. So basically
0: what I'm hearing you say is that I can change the world by first getting a little curious about different religions, and second, by making a friend or two who are members of a different faith it's as simple as that that's so wonderful simple it's something we can do and there are so many opportunities i'm also reminded of the ramadan dinners during the season of ramadan i've had the opportunity and i hope i get the opportunity again during that season to break the fast with my muslim friends so that's another invitation that we might look for to host and feed our neighbors that's pretty special that you're moving on from the Interfaith Center, which is our loss for sure. Tell us about what's next for you.
1: That's a million dollar question for myself as well, because Mm -hmm. I'm still in the process of discerning that what's next for me. I am moving on from Interfaith Center, but not Interfaith work, because Interfaith work is my heart and soul. I will be discerning for the next few months that where is my next calling and what I want to do. Another hat that I wear is that I am one of the founders of a mosque in Little Rock, Arkansas, called Medina Institute, and I chair and lead that mosque, and I've done that for the last seven years. That has been one of the most joyful and challenging project of my life. I have enjoyed it so much every single moment of it because bringing change to the world is important but it starts from changing yourself first. So that was my contribution for changing my community from within. And one thing that I do want to do is help introduce the similar mosque models in the other states in America. Medina Institute is a very inclusive space for all Muslims. We emphasize heavily on youth development, gender equity, creating a space where everybody is welcome and there is no prejudice. So one of the things that I will be doing in my next years is helping open similar Medina mosques in other states in America. And the rest will see how God speaks to me and where my heart leads me.
0: That is so exciting. I know that you will continue to, first of all, follow what God calls you to do. And as you do that, you're going to continue to impact this world and make a safer place for us and for our children and a world in which people have plenty of opportunity to grow in love themselves. So thank you for all that you do. I hope that we get to stay connected sometimes, every once in a while, at least.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Connections are important. That's what makes us human.
0: Well, the title of this podcast is inspired by the Gospel of John, chapter 15, when Jesus tells his disciples to abide in love. And then he says, I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. feel what brings you joy?
1: So there are so many things that make me happy, like being in nature, traveling, being in my interfaith communities. But as I've been thinking about joy, I've been reflecting that what is it that brings me the deepest feeling of joy in my heart? What emerged is that one thing that always enlightens my heart and my soul is by being with sacred people or by being in sacred spaces. And if I recall my life, even when I was very, very young, I have always sought out people and places and have traveled afar for them that are devoted to God, not only in ceremonial sense only. But people who are intensely devoted and connected to God, who live in complete surrender, who are filled with light, who have been touched by divine grace. In Arabic, we call them uh, wali. And I would say the closest translation would be saint. And sometimes they are living and other times they are not living and they have passed on to the next world. And they could be Muslim or they might not be Muslim. But since I've been young, I have looked for such beings and spaces which feel very sacred and wali and saintly to me. And if I am there, it's just an intensely beautiful experience for me to be in the presence of such godly beings. And it brings a lot of joy to my heart and I continue to seek them out wherever I go, irrespective of what faith they belong to.
0: Joy for me is about sharing love, and there's a richness to being able to become friends with and to love people across lines of difference. This is the kind of love that lets us learn and grow and gain fresh insights. Contrary to threatening or diminishing my life in any way, I have felt my faith enriched by friendships with Sophia and others through our interfaith work, and I am forever grateful for that. And I think our joy is complete for today. Sophia, thank you for this conversation and for your tremendous leadership. I wish you the best in your next faithful adventures. Listeners, I'm grateful for you too. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, send an email to me at mvano at stmargaretschurch.org. Please join us again next time because our J-O-Y is not complete without you. This is a production of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanks to Stephen Banno, who composed and performed our theme music, and to Heidi Soul, our producer.